0: Hey, this is Dr. Patty Sadala. Welcome to my Experience Jesus podcast. In this identity episode, you will learn all about our creator God and how to see his omnitruths in his creation. The name for the creator is Elohim. It is a plural name for a singular God. The word Trinity cannot be found in the Bible, but Elohim communicates that word. It shows up at the very beginning of the Bible as the first name in Genesis 1, 1, and it's referenced more than 2,500 times in the original Hebrew Bible. Our English translations do not show these unique Hebrew names, but you can see them in the Names of God and Tree of Life translations. Genesis 1, 1, in the Names of God version says, In the beginning, Elohim created heavens and the earth. Let's look at how all three members of the Trinity showed up in this one verse. The Father is the holder of the will of God. Creation was his idea. Jesus is the word of God. So he was the one doing the speaking in agreement with the will of God. The Holy Spirit is the power of God. So he was the one making creation manifest according to the word that was spoken. The entire recounting of the creation is included in Genesis chapters one and two. In this episode, we will try to understand a little bit about the creator by what was revealed about him through creation. Elohim is a God of incredible order, patterns, and power. In Genesis chapter one, God created light, the worlds, and life. And in Genesis chapter two, God created mankind, And gave us dominion over the earth. God's order is evident in creation but it was a scientist in the 11th century that was able to mathematically identify a pattern in nature that is simply mind-boggling. There is a video that will be attached to this episode on the pattyej.podbean.com site that explains this better than I could and it's linked below but I will share the audio of this short film with you here. The film clip is called Fibonacci Sequence, The Fingerprint of God.
1: Individuality, the trademark of any artist, designer, or architect. Each desires a uniqueness to their creation, a quality that separates it from any other. Man naturally has this individuality, his fingerprint there are 6.5 billion people on the face of the earth and no two fingerprints are the same. Everything we touch or make contact with is branded with a small expressed image revealing to all who see it who was there. Around 1200 AD, a man named Leonard Pisano, better known as Fibonacci, discovered a sequence of numbers that created a very interesting pattern. The sequence begins with the numbers 1, 1, 2, 3, 5, 8, 13, 21, 34, and continues indefinitely. Each number is obtained by adding the last two digits together. A rectangle with a length and width of any two of the numbers of this sequence forms what is known as the Golden Rectangle a perfect rectangle. A golden rectangle can be broken down into squares the size of the next Fibonacci numbers down and below. If we were to take a perfect or golden rectangle, break it down into smaller squares based on Fibonacci's sequence and divide each with an arc, the patterns begin to take shape. We begin to see Fibonacci's spiral. The spiral in and of itself is insignificant. Its importance is revealed in where we find it. Take for example the sunflower. The display of its florets are in perfect spirals of 55, 34, and 21. The sequence of Fibonacci. The fruitlets of the pineapple create the same spiral based on the sequence. The pine cone does the same. As currents move through the ocean, and the tide rolls onto the shore. The waves that bring in the tide curve into a spiral that can be mathematically diagrammed onto a plot at the points 1, 1, 2, 3, 5, 8, 13, 21, 34, and 55. Buds on trees, sand dollars, starfish, petals on flowers, and especially the nautilus shell are formed with this exact same blueprint. With each segment of growth, the Nautilus adds to itself one more value on Fibonacci's scale. This blueprint can be seen around us on a small scale every day, but the greatest example of all is directly above our heads. At an average of 100,000 light years across, even the spiral of the galaxies above us are formed with the exact design that the tiny shell is formed. This sequence, or blueprint, appears to be the trademark of a designer, a proof of a creator, something left behind indicating the one who was there, a fingerprint. As we scan our universe from the tiny flower to the awe-inspiring galaxy, we see the fingerprint of God.
0: The visuals of the video do a much better job of really bringing home the incredible creativity of our Creator and the patterns that are reinforced all throughout nature. So I do encourage you to check out this video. Let's talk now about God's omnibenevolence, the frequency of God's love. God is love, and His spoken word that brought the world into existence is also what sustains it by His power. At the most basic level, everything has a frequency. When God created the universe, the newly created atoms were spinning harmoniously according to the vibration and created order. They were programmed to respond to God's voice. God is not only the creator, but the sustainer of all of his creation. Colossians 1, 16-17 says, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, things visible and invisible Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created and exist through him, that is, by his activity and for him. And he himself existed and is before all things, and in him all things are held together. His is the controlling, cohesive force of the universe. But why did God create all things? We learn his motivation in the book of Acts acts seventeen twenty six to twenty eight says and he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their lands and territories. This was that they would seek God if perhaps they might grasp him and find him, though he is not far from any of us, for in him we live and move and exist, that is in him. We actually have our being, as even some of your own poets have said, for we are all his children. God made it so he could have a relationship with you and me. Everything God does is motivated by love, not because he feels love, but because he is love. His heart longing, as revealed in this verse, is for us to want to love him back. He loves you unconditionally. God's perfect love is his omnibenevolence. Omni means perfect, complete, and full. Romans 838 38-39 says, For I am convinced, and continue to be convinced beyond any doubt, that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor any things present and threatening, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing, will be able to separate us, From the unlimited love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. God's love is a heavenly tuning fork of God's perfect vibration of love. When Adam and Eve sinned for the first time, they broke our natural ability to connect with God's love. But Jesus' finished work on the cross restored our ability to be able to tap into that love vibration by using the eyes and ears of our hearts to once again connect with God's heart. Mankind is the only creation that has been given free will. Sin is a transgression of God's perfect will and laws. We know that sin did not exist at the time of creation because God proclaimed everything was good. And he proclaimed that man was very good. All other creatures were created to perfectly obey God's laws and they exist in their uniquely created habitats according to their animal instincts. When Adam and Eve sinned, they broke God's laws and therefore placed a curse on the entire world. Sin entered the world. Animals do not sin because they were not the ones that broke the laws and were not created with a moral compass, but they are subject to the consequences of man's decisions and live in a fallen world as we do. Created things follow God's design and naturally obey the rules of God. We call this animal instincts, and it shows up in nature with plants as well. Some animal species show emotions such as loyalty and faithfulness, exemplified by penguins who mate for life. Birds and other species have revealed self-protective or pre-knowing of natural disasters. Man can mess up the ecosystems of animals with our free will decisions that disrupt that natural order of things. Poachers that kill off a single species can mess up the food chain along the way, all the way to a microscopic or bacterial level and devastate untold number of creatures and even affect people environmentalists have identified certain keystone species which if were to be eliminated could end life as we know it their roles within the ecosystem are so critical that the elimination of them would collapse the entire ecosystem african termites bumblebees and grizzly bears are three examples people are the only creatures that do not naturally obey god We must choose to obey God. And mankind was given dominion over all created things. In Genesis 1, 26 to 28, it says, Then Elohim said, Let us make humans in our image, in our likeness. Let them rule the fishes of the sea and the birds in the sky, the domestic animals all over the earth and all the animals that crawl on the earth. To rule the earth and take care of all of the Lord's creations is a lot of responsibility. Unfortunately, we have not done a great job of this. The evidence of our fallen nature is proof of that. Deuteronomy 30, 19 to 20 says, I call heaven and earth as witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. Therefore, you shall choose life in order that you may live, you and your descendants, by loving the Lord your God. By obeying his voice and by holding closely to him, for he is your life, your good life, abundant life, fulfillment, and the length of your days, that you may live in the land which the Lord has promised, swore to give to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The first thing that Elohim created was light. God is light. 1 John 1 5 says, This is the message of God's promised revelation which we have heard from him and now announce to you, that God is light, he is holy, his message is truthful, he is perfect in righteousness, and in him there is no darkness at all, no sin, no wickedness, no imperfection. God created natural light to reflect his supernatural light. Light casts out all darkness, both literally and spiritually. There are many biblical examples of people encountering God's supernatural light. When Moses was on the mountain, for example, when God was writing the Ten Commandments by his own finger, Moses returned down to the mountain and his face reflected God's light. See Exodus 34, 29-34. Saul was blinded by the light of Jesus when he encountered him on the road to Damascus. See Acts chapter 9. The angels that appeared to the shepherds on the night of Jesus' birth lit up the sky with their light. See Luke chapter 2. All of these stories have one thing in common, the presence of God. The angels had just left heaven where they dwell in God's presence. And all the other stories were direct encounters with God. God is omniscient. That means that God is the source of all knowledge and wisdom. We learn in Matthew ten thirty that the very hairs on our head are numbered, and in Psalms one hundred forty seven, four, and five, we learn that the Lord knows the number of all of the stars and calls them all by name. Scientists estimate that there are between one hundred and fifty and two hundred billion stars in our Milky Way galaxy, of which our sun is but one. In the book of Job chapter thirty eight. The Lord goes on for quite a few verses about all the things he created in order for Job to get an understanding of his omniscience and his power. His wisdom extends far beyond our earthly capabilities and worldly dimension. God is omnipresent. There are some quantum physics realities that show us about God. Scientists have learned that the laws of the physical world include such things as relativity and gravity, and that those quantum or microscopic worlds are different, have different rules. The physical world is characterized as local, which means that everything that you can see can be charted and found. It has a defined location. The quantum, as well as the spiritual realm, are identified as non-local. That means that they are non-physical dimensions that have no geographic location. The properties of non-locality are that they are constantly moving and spinning and vibrating. Particles have a ghost-like link between each other. This is a connection that causes them to spin and move in sync. Scientists call this connection quantum entanglement. Quantum entanglement is like a prophetic terrible because we are citizens of heaven as well as earth. We have Christ in us and we have Christ with us and we are in Christ. We are tethered to him and not separatable from the Lord once we have received the gift of salvation. That means that what Christ does affects you and what you do affects him. Because of your dual citizenship, you have the capability to be bilocational—that is, you can live naturally, supernaturally, sensing God in your spirit, while still allowing his glory to influence the world around you in the natural realm. Ephesians 2.6 says, and he raised us up together with him when we believed, and seated us with him in the heavenly places, because we are in Christ Jesus. Note the present tense in that verse, The moment that you believed, your spirit was seated with Jesus in heavenly places because you are in Christ Jesus. So we learn here that we do not need to die and go to heaven to be seated with Jesus in heavenly places. Our spirits are already there. When you have encounters with the Lord in your spirit, you are engaging with heaven while still on earth. Perhaps this gives you a new level of insight about what Jesus meant when he said in Matthew chapter 5, Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Perhaps the most interesting thing I learned about quantum physics was about the observer effect. Scientists have unanimously agreed that when we look at something, we change it. At the quantum level, particles behave non-locally, floating around until they're observed, and then they collapse into matter. The act of observing is the only factor that creates this change. Scientists call this behavior the wave function collapse, and it essentially means that something from an invisible realm becomes visible when looked at. Let's take the above reality to the next level of understanding. The physical universe as we know it and experience it every single day is collapsed into material state because it's being observed. That we're pretty sure that isolated areas of the world where there are no people watching them still exist in physical form because the omnipresent God is looking at it. His eyes are on everything in this and all other worlds from the infinitesimally small to the magnanimously large, at all times. I remember once that the Lord told me that if he held his breath, all creation would cease to exist. Now I'm convinced that if he blinked, all creation would cease to exist. When we become saved and we receive Jesus into our hearts, and then receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we are fully capable to be observers of Jesus in the spiritual realm. Every possibility is available to us in Christ when we understand our ability to be in this realm and the spiritual realm simultaneously. All healing and provision, wisdom are at our fingertips when we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, And we all, with unveiled face, continually seeing in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are progressively being transformed into His image, from one degree of glory to even more glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. The more you fix your eyes on Jesus, the more you are transformed into His image. Observing Him changes you. And when you observe Him He observes you back, and when he looks at you, he is changed because he's motivated to move on your behalf. Now let's take a look at God's omnipotence. The Lord creates by speaking his word. His word is his will. When God speaks, he energizes creative power by the Holy Spirit. The word for energy in the Bible is energeo, which means I work, I accomplish, to display, to properly energize, working in a situation which brings it from one state or point to the next. All sound creates vibration. The Lord created by speaking, then looked at it, and it materialized into matter. Hebrews 1.3a says, The sun is the radiance and the only expression of the glory of our awesome God, reflecting God's Shekinah glory, the light being, the brilliant light of the divine, and the exact representation and perfect imprint of his Father's essence, and upholding and maintaining and propelling all things, the entire physical and spiritual universe, by his powerful word, carrying the universe along to its predetermined goal so in that verse we learn that god's word maintains the creation for as long as needed for his plans to be completed he has never stopped looking he never stopped speaking the vibration of god's speaking voice maintains the entire physical and spiritual worlds we are created in god's image so we create with our words too here's a quick list of truths related to words with some scriptural reference words are powerful proverbs 18:21 death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love will eat its fruit build others up with your words proverbs 18:4 the person's word can be Life-giving words, words of true wisdom, are as refreshing as a bubbling brook. Words can reveal the condition of your heart. Proverbs 25, 18. Telling lies about others is as harmful as hitting them with an axe or wounding them with a sword or shooting them with a sharp arrow. Guard your mouth. Proverbs 21:23. Whosoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. Speak God's word out loud, Matthew 4, 4. But Jesus answered them, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. You will have to give an account for your words, Matthew twelve thirty six. But I tell you that every careless word that people speak, they shall give an account for on the day of judgment. Your words reveal a changed heart, Colossians 4, 6. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Speak life. String theory is one of the controversial quantum theories that increasing numbers of scientists are embracing as a possibility. It is an attempt to understand the connection between the physical and the quantum worlds. The theory hypothesizes the existence of tiny strings or loops of vibrating energy that act as the building blocks of all aspects of the world. The theory has been mathematically developed and suggests hidden dimensions curled up or folded within our three-dimensional world. Tiny loops of vibrating energy are constantly moving as extra-dimensional fields of energy. They are like-minded strings of vibrating energy. The math suggests that these strings are 100 billion billion times smaller than a proton. So it is unlikely that any scientist would ever be able to create technology that would allow us to actually see it. Christian expert on string theory Brian Greene wrote a book called The Elegant Universe, and he shared that no two strings vibrate at the same frequency. To me, this seems a bit like a reinforcement of what we learned at the beginning of this—that God created each of us uniquely, with our own fingerprint, and having His own creative stamp on all that He creates. For those who understand the patterns seen in the mathematics for string theory, there is an artistic beauty about it. This is why Brian Greene entitled his book *The Elegant Universe*, suggesting that if our ears could hear the sounds of these various vibrations, it would sound like an elegant symphony. Phil Mason, in his book, Quantum Glory, wrote, The quantum world has been intentionally designed to obey the voice of God. When God speaks, this world can be rearranged, collapsed, reconstructed, all by his command. There is a remarkable convergence between these two theological concepts in the Bible and the emergence of string theory. To my mind, biblical theology powerfully supports string theory, not just because of the convergence of notions of extradimensionality or the elegance in design, but because of the energizing relationship between the Spirit of God and the strings that perhaps constitute nature at its very smallest scale. String theorists suggest that these strings vibrate at different frequencies to create a subatomic symphony of music. I asked the Lord to show me something to help me understand string theory and was really wondering if it was real. And he immediately reminded me of Horton Hears a Who film clip that the Lord had me share in my Encountering the Direction of God book coming out soon. There's a film clip about how an entire civilization could exist on a single speck of dust in the physical realm. Then he showed me a tiny white wiggling loop. Then he zoomed out in the vision to a dozen or more spinning and vibrating wiggling white loops and strings, then zoomed out until there were thousands of them, now looking more like waves together, finally zooming out to millions where inside a single proton, it was like the entire who world on that speck. And then Jesus said, Like all of nature, these strings all obey my voice. My voice is what creates the vibrations for all of them to keep on moving. They do what I say with 100% obedience. When you fix your eyes on me and speak and do what I say, they obey your voice because you're echoing my voice. They form connections and begin to play the symphony at our command. God is always speaking. God gave me another encounter that was really powerful related to this topic as well. It was one of my flying carpet encounters with Jesus. I was in my destiny cave. Jesus and I were sitting on the balcony stone dangling our legs over the colorful river of living water below. Jesus invited me to sit with him and then a flying carpet flew up to us. Just like the one in Aladdin it seemed to say hello with the corners of its tassel. This made me smile. Jesus and I jumped on top of the flying carpet and we were flying over the river past other destiny caves going higher and higher. There were millions of destiny caves in the rock balconies peppered throughout the entire place. Then Jesus showed me the white strings connecting all these caves. The strings were connecting the servants of God with each other as they minister their destinies. There were so many string connections. Then from the strings of light, I saw raindrops watering the entire canyon, creating a beautiful rainbow everywhere I could see. Living water was refreshing and growing everything it touched. And Jesus said to me, I am the sovereign Lord. My purposes will be done through these servants and their connections. Then I saw the faces of some great men and women of God, and even some of my own personal connections and partners. And the Lord said, my will will be done through these servants in unity and partnership. Let's talk now about God's omnipotence in creation. Elohim created both the physical and the spiritual realms, the visible and the invisible. We have already learned that speaking and observing can manifest the invisible will of God into the physical material world. Miracles defy natural physics, but can be understood in quantum physics. Hebrews 11.3 says, By faith, that is, with the inherent trust and enduring confidence in the power, wisdom, and goodness of God, we understand that the worlds, universes, and ages were framed and created, formed, put in order, and equipped for their intended purpose by the word of God so that what is seen is not made out of things which are visible. There are many verses that topically address the veil in the Bible. The veil represents the barrier between God and you. It can be a mental barrier or a physical one, as it was in the tabernacle. When we fix our eyes on Jesus, he allows us to see things from his perspective, and he removes the veil. There is no barrier when you're able to see what he sees, say what he says, feel what he feels, and think his thoughts. Second Corinthians 3, 15-18 says, Only Christ can get rid of the veil, so they can see for themselves that there's nothing there. Whenever though they turn to face God as Moses did, God removes the veil and they are face to face. They suddenly realize that God is a living personal presence, not a piece of chiseled stone. And when God is personally present, a living spirit, that old constructing legislation is recognized as obsolete. We are free of it, all of us. Nothing between us and God Our face is shining with the brightness of his face, and so we are transfigured, much like the Messiah, our lives gradually becoming brighter and more beautiful as God enters our lives and we become like him. When the veil is removed, there is an opening to connect the spiritual realm to the physical realm. So whenever we fix our eyes on Jesus and tune to him by way of the Holy Spirit, We are stepping through from the physical dimension into the spiritual dimension. Understanding that we have the authority to do so is critical to being able to exercise that power that comes with that authority. When Jesus died, the veil in the temple was ripped from top to bottom. This signified that the barrier that separated us from the intimacy with the Father was taken down. Now we have the opportunity for direct access to the very heart of God available to us. Speaking of the quantum world, Phil Mason explains the veil in this way. As we explore this dimension of non-local quantum reality in great depth, I will propose that this invisible layer of quantum reality acts as some kind of interface between the presence and power of God who exists in the spiritual realm, and the world of matter. The non-local quantum world appears to be kind of an invisible, intermediate buffer zone between spirit and matter. It appears that the non-local quantum realm has been strategically crafted by God to be directly responsive to the influence of the activity of the spirit of God so these non-local quantum realities are capable Of materializing into a localized spatial formation. Quantum realities are the building blocks of all matter. There are many examples of the Bible of materialism and dematerialism miracles. All of these miracles defy the physical rules of this world. Jesus turned water into wine. He multiplied loaves of fish. Elijah was taken up to heaven by a chariot of fire. Jesus appeared before disciples post-resurrection from nowhere. I believe that these are examples of how God shows us what can be done when we live a life without the limitations of the veil. And remember that Jesus died to give us that opportunity and that possibility. It all comes when we clearly exactly know how big our God really is and how much authority we have as his children. For today's encounter, you will ask Elohim to show you something about creation. It could be the birth of the universe, or it could just be about how he has created patterns in this world through animals or creatures or plants. He knows exactly how to connect with you on this topic. But before you do, and before you even go into your special place, as a child. Prepare your heart by first meditating on Genesis chapters 1 and 2. If this is your first podcast experience with us, you may want to go back to the trailer episode and learn about the biblical foundation for dialogue journaling, our process for experiencing Jesus. This leads you through the first special place encounter with Jesus as a child. This is a starting point for all of our experiences with Jesus. For best results, it is always good to properly posture your heart for your experience by welcoming Jesus's presence with praise and thanksgiving and playing with him in the special place as a child for a few minutes before asking for anything from him. So after you have properly prepared yourself for the encounter, meet Jesus in your special place, play with him for a little while, and then he will show you what he most wants you to understand about him as the creator, and you as his creation, because you were made in his image. The goal of this exercise is to get a bigger image and understanding of the sovereign creator. Take all the time you need and capture your entire experience in your journal. I hope God showed you some amazing things in that encounter, and I hope that you have a much grander understanding of your creator God and how he holds the entire world in the palm of his hand. And I hope you will join us on this podcast adventure. Follow this podcast and forward it to others that you think may be blessed by it and check out all the links below. They are designed to take you deeper. I thank God for you and bless you in Jesus name.